Morning Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to our 40th episode of The Weekend Show. Gary, we made it to 40 episodes. We're so good at podcasting. Or at least we're persistent in our in our attempts to to overcome our mediocrity. By the way, Ken, today's episode of Podcast Today was episode 30. So within two weeks, I've already eclipsed the episode total of The Weekend Show. But, you know, it's it's quality over quantity. It really here. is quality over quantity. Because uh, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but podcast today is hot garbage. You, have you listened to every episode? I have. So, ha! Ah, begrudgingly. I don't care once you listen. If you've been listening to the last 39 episodes and you've just heard his voice there, so it'll be no surprise that I am joined, as always, by my European co-host, Garrett. I'm European. You are? The Brits won't be European soon. They won't. They hate us. It's they like, do. I want out of Europe. It's like, Europe's pretty good. Why it's do you hate bad. us? And they'll say, oh, the EU and Europe are two different things. No, it's not. We're going to cut you adrift. We're going to literally send you up into Scandinavia. And yeah. let, you, let you float slowly toward Africa or wherever the hell is in the middle of the, the world. If you kept on floating north, I suppose you'd hit the, the freaking Antarctic before you'd reach Africa. Yeah. So we're going to let you float up to, uh, to the Antarctic. We're going to put some like jet boosters on the south coast of England by like Portsmouth and stuff and just send them away. Yeah, it's like, you don't want to be in the EU anymore. You're not in Europe anymore. Yeah, you're out. This week, we delve into the main talking points of this year's Eurovision Song Contest extravaganza. We take a trip back to the 1940s to see what kind of historical pop culture gems we can uncover in Back to the Past. And coming up at the end of the show, we debut a new segment called Weekend Heroes. But more on that later. No nitpicks or who knew's best today, Ken. It's a 40th special. Yeah. We're pulling out all the stops. Throwing the format out the window. It's like the first episode where we didn't have a format. Yeah. We had a quiz that never made the air. We're honoring tradition. Maybe, we, I don't know if we, no, I don't I don't think I still have it. If we did, I, I might put it at the end of our, our 50th episode, but. You, you deleted the quiz. I won the quiz too, so I'm very disappointed. You did win the quiz, but the world does not need to hear that, Gar. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. It was, it was pretty pretty awful it was it was wonderful and you know it It was car crash podcasting <laughs> at its best yeah loads of awesome stuff in store as we just noted but before we get things started garrett we we, we will not dispense with a weekend show tradition how was your week it, it is now as we speak tuesday it is we aim to have the podcast up on saturday we should really just call it a weekday show yeah. rather than the weekend show or uh or the show yeah just, just it. could go anywhere um yeah gar had work commitments this week as did i so yeah we couldn't you see we get together we decided for the sake of the future of the podcast uh, probably a month or two ago to move our recording day which was usually saturday to friday and i think we've only recorded on friday once since maybe twice because <laughs> i was free on friday were you free on friday uh yeah but i finished work really late yeah but like most most of the time we're free on friday we just we just don't do it on friday <laughs> So uh, the lesson we've learned is just start doing it on a Friday. Yeah, because I watched a bunch of Scandinavian football at work yesterday. That was good fun. Yeah, Gar worked 10 hours yesterday, which is why we're here now. Yeah, which is why we were going to do it on Monday. But then I got my roster on Sunday. And it's like, yeah, 10 hours on Monday. It's like, well, Tuesday. <laughs> the Tuesday show. Priorities, Gar. Yep. What's more important to you? Your job or, or, or is it no podcast? Show. It's like, I have a podcast to do. And, be, and I'm like, we understand. Yeah. It's podcasting gold. We, 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 we listen to it every week. That's what they said. Yeah. Now, now I'm unemployed again and I'm still, well, I'm, I'm always still a bum, but. But they're big fans of the podcast. Yeah. That's the important thing. I'm also quite wet. Yes, you are quite wet. Gar had to walk here in the rain to deliver this podcast. So, yeah. you know, you're welcome. This is how much, this is my commitment to the cause, Ken. Gar, you are, if if nothing, dedicated. Yeah. And I've been learning the poker app this week. You have? Yeah. I've, if you're If you're listening to Podcast Today on the Weekend Show Network, Gar, at the end of each episode, is attempting to recite the poke rap and has failed each time thus far. Fairly miserably too, Ken. I haven't got past the second verse in my three days yet. Because I remember you bet me a tenor that I couldn't learn it. Did I? Yeah. I don't remember doing that. That's the thing you did. Okay. I will claim that tenor when it finally, when I find at the end of that uh, podcast in about four months, when I finally get it right. I want you to recite it in front of me. Because on the podcast, technically, you could just be reading it and nobody, nobody would be any the wiser. Are you questioning my integrity? Yes, I am. So you're, you're assuming I'm failing on purpose to set up a win. Yeah. You're grifting me, Gary. <laughs> you're grifting me. <laughs> it's a giant scam. It's the, long, it's the long con. You should have heard me on the way home from work yesterday. 
because I had to walk across town because dad was driving me home, but he was picking me up in town. And I was literally, I had it on repeat on my iPod and I was singing along and people were just looking at me walking past me thinking I'm a crazy person. Well, as opposed to any other any other day, that's not really much of a difference. Yeah, I do it? I do look quite crazy. I need a haircut too. I mean, you've done two, three podcasts, uh, just walking the streets, haven't yeah. you? So two, only two. There's going to be more. There will be more, especially because night. I, I I contemplated doing one yesterday actually because I was on my way home from work and I was like, I could just do a podcast with me rambling and walking past and <laughs> walking through town. But yeah, Gar uh, Gar has a segment on podcast today when he's running out of time to put up the podcast that he just records his observations as he walks home yeah some of his best work actually it's my more it's my most artistically valid work it's candid just wait for an episode i have probably upcoming in the future which will be the the probably worst thing i'll ever produce <laughs> no comment no comment indeed how's your week um it was a pretty pretty slow week a lot of working but uh i had a eurovision party on saturday which uh would lead nicely on to our next segment yep but uh I want to talk about it first. Um, we had uh, a party, uh, as we do every year. and uh, Once again, by the way, I wasn't invited. Well, Gar, if you were good enough to be invited, you would have been by now. Well, that's how it is. Because last the, the first episode, I think, we ever produced yeah. was the week of the Eurovision. That was the week after. Yeah. And I, I wasn't invited again then. Because you hate me. Why do you hate me again? Why do you hate my guts? Why do you we, not want we me to We had come? 10 people, Garrett, and we barely had enough room for them. So. Did you do it down here again? Yeah. So, like, I, fair enough when you were doing it in your friend's house or something, or when you were doing it away from me, but when it's in your own house and you don't invite me, I, I probably wouldn't have come. I yeah. probably would have said no, because yeah. I'd never go anywhere. But I would have liked the opportunity to say no to you, Ken. Garrett, I will give you a token invite next year. How does that sound? Thank you. Okay. Plus, I was working, so I wouldn't have been able to go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, like we, we we like to have a bit of fun with it. Like we just like this year uh, wasn't as much food. Uh, you may have noticed in our first episode, if you listened to it all the way back in the day, that uh, we have every time every year everyone brings food. So like and then we decide to get a takeaway. So there's like sweets and then there, and and crisps and chocolate pizza, pizza, and then we have pizza. takeaway. And then we have dessert. So I, I literally, by the end of the of the, the meal last year, I was actually eating a cake and I was just like, I don't even want this. I don't, what am I eating this But for? I'm still eating it. Literally. <laughs> it's so delicious. I felt like, you know, like that uh, Monty Python sketch, I can't remember which film it is, but it's your man. He eats all that food and like the, he eats, the, the last thing he eats is like the wafer thin mint. I've never and, seen any Monty Python And uh, he explodes like it's like the one that pushes it over the edge. Uh, I felt like that, but uh, this year wasn't as bad. But uh, it was good. Felt 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 a little gawky. Yeah, a little bit gawky, but not like you know the bit where it feels like the food's kind of just just trying still to, on the trying edge to of escape. Your yeah, it's in the edge of the throat, trying to come back yeah, out. Yeah, I got that. Uh, but uh, my uh, we have a bet every year as well. We like we put in all the flags, and we each draw draw out a, a number of flags. And if you have the flag that or the country that won, you win uh, the pot of fifty euros. Well, who'd you get? I got uh, Czech Republic. Who came second last? I have no idea what they did. I got Georgia. I can't remember where they finished. They were the Oasis ripoff. And who else did I get? Serbia, who also did terribly. So uh, you didn't have a hope. Yeah. And my friend Matthew, for the third year out of four years that we're, we've been running this, won. That's like the year we let him into the Royal Rumble pool, and he won. Yeah. Every year we have a Royal Rumble pool, and we have, it's a similar setup. And he won that too. The so. one year we let him in is he won it. It's like, damn it, Matthew. He's so annoying. He's lucky. You're supposed to pay into these things. It's supposed to be like a pyramid scheme. We all yeah. come out benefiting in the end. You're not supposed to come in and win after a year. But uh, Pay your dues. He also came last, coincidentally. And last gets a booby prize. So he couldn't... Uh, we have a rule where if you come... You can't get the booby prize if you won as well. So What was the booby prize? Uh, I got the booby prize because I got Czech Republic. So I finished second last. So... By default, I got it. It was a uh, coincidentally, Gar, uh, based on the the opening there. It's a, a Brexit themed prize. You may see it on Facebook if you look at my Facebook uh, at Ken Kidney. It's a it was Cheap a blog. It was a well, you know. <laughs> please add me as a friend. Please add me as a friend. I'll I'll accept you, but then uh, then hide your content because I don't know who you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was Brexit themed, so I got like a little tiny top hat with a Union Jack on it. I got a uh, inflatable, uh, uh, inflatable. Uh, what's it called? Oh darn it! When's the Brexit vote? Uh, in, in August, I think. Oh no, because I, 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 sorry, sorry, I had a thought. Yeah. Because if if I was like Europe, 
and the Brexit poll was before the European Championships, I'd be like, you're out if you yeah. vote no. <laughs> if you vote to go out of Europe, you're out of the European Championships too. All those England football hooligans voting no. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I got a, a T-Rex, an inflatable T-Rex with a Union Jack on it as well. And I got a t-shirt that says, keep Britain British. Fair enough. And it has a little badge on it that says no to the EU. <laughs> so you're, you're firmly on the, the Brexit or Britain outside yeah. area. I was very tempted just to wear the t-shirt to work, to be like, why is he wearing that t-shirt? <laughs> he probably would have been fired. <laughs> he's Irish. Like what? Like he has no dog in this fight. Why is he so passionate about keeping Britain British? <laughs> and it's like. I'm not passionate about keeping Britain British. I just want them out of my EU. My EU. Yeah, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get to our Eurovision review. Um, it would have been a perfect segue, so I should have mentioned this last, but anyway, the party last. But um, God, Ken. Last week, I booked... swear after 40 episodes, we'd be good at this thing. <laughs> well, it's a work in progress. Maybe in 40 more, we'll have our, we'll, we'll get on a roll. Yeah. We'll have our, our, our act down. But uh, uh, on Thursday, I, uh, I think it was Thursday, yeah, I booked a, uh, a Niagara Falls trip for my uh, my girlfriend's and I anniversary, mm. and uh, the bank mm. blocked my card. I'm making noises, Kenneth. Your flahoolness. You know, brownie points forever. <laughs> but uh, the the bank uh, uh, the bank blocked my card, and because uh, you're not Canadian, that's yeah. an understandable security measure. But then I called up the guy, and he was just like, uh, "Did you get emergency money at any point?" And I was like, "No." And then I was like, and then he's like. Oh, we sent you a text about it. Did you get it? And I was like, no. I was like, what's your number? He's like, oh, we sent it to a different number. I was like, that's worrying. Yeah. So I caught, I went into the and he's like, was it like a number you've heard of? No, he never told me what the number was. Hmm. This guy just seemed like he was trying to like get rid of me or something. Like, it's like, because customer service is a lottery because I work in that industry. He's like, if you get someone who's experienced, they know what they're talking about, they'll help you. But if you get a guy who doesn't know what they're talking about, they'll just kind of fob you off, basically. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, no, you'll have to go into the branch. And I went to the branch. He's like, you didn't need to come in here. You just need to call the line. I was like, <laughs> damn it. But uh, basically, they uh, flagged that this transaction because obviously it was kind of for a big amount abroad. And then they blocked my card and I was without money for four days because, you know, I had to physically go to the bank to get the money. And it's just oh, like... Oh, what a, what a burden. But like, that that's my point exactly. It's like, like you're so used to being able to stick the card in the wall, get money out or, or use the card online or and stuff like that. So or you know on apps like halo and stuff like that so when you don't have it you actually feel really like crippled or like handicapped so it's actually it's actually a worrying trend that's like i felt like like palpable anxiety by the fact i didn't have my 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 visa card my visa debit card on a similar note for me uh the you know the earphones now most of them would have like a pause and a next song and a volume adjustment button mine has stopped working Oh no Exactly And you'd think Before I had this I would have always had to take Like the iPod out of my pocket To change the song Or adjust the volume Or pause it And now I'm like "Ah, For God's sake It doesn't work I have to take it all the way Out of my pocket And put it all the way back in And the earphones Have reached that stage Where they're kind of broken So if you put them in the wrong way They don't really work You have to You know Turn them and finagle them Until they actually work Yeah I know the feeling So every time I take it out of my pocket It breaks it And every time I put it back, back in It breaks it And I can't change the song I can't do the volume control And I'm like this is a super millennial problem, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Technology has gotten to the point where it's gotten so advanced that and made us so lazy that if, you know, basically the aliens did take over, it would be like a walkover. They'd just be like, we'd be like, have little resistance. It's like, I'll fight you with my smartphone. Oh God, I can't get coverage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's no. like, sorry, lads, I'm trying to get my earphones to work. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind? Okay, if you want to just, insla- just keep keep doing you, I'll yeah. just I'll be in the yeah. corner. <laughs> oh, you you want to enslave us? Fine, that's fine. All hail our alien overlords. As long as there's Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, once we have Wi-Fi, once the aliens institute like global Wi-Fi, I'm fine. Exactly. Do you want to take us into our our Eurovision review, Gar? Our long-awaited Eurovision rundown. Yep, the Eurovision is never short of controversy, Ken. And this year it was no different as two Eastern nations at war at home took their conflict to the Eurovi- the European camp stage with the underdog winning out in the end. Yeah, uh, Ukraine, if, you're, if, if you've been living under a rock, won the contest with yeah. the, their song 1994 by Jamala. They should have been disqualified. Um, state your case, Gar. There is a rule in the Eurovision that you cannot have a song with a political message and they're like, no, it's historical. It's like, it's a metaphor and you know it. Yeah. You should be disqualified. Your song had a political message. Even if it's one I agree with, you're out. That's not what the Eurovision's about. Basically, 
Russia actually launched an official complaint saying the same thing. And the Euro- oh no, I'm on the same side as Russia. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and the Eurovision people uh, ruled that it was a song that was historical in nature because it talked about uh, uh, Crimeans or like kind of Muslims in Crimea being displaced by Crimea River by the the Kremlin <laughs> in 1944. Can, 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 Crimea, Crimea River. Get it? Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but. Um, the, Ru- the Russians claims it, w- it had anti-Kremlin sentiments. And we all know that while it, it, was, <laughs> while it was about 1944, it, it has, you know, foreshadowing for today. Or, it was a metaphor. Yeah. Or, like, it applies today as much as it did in 1944. That's what a metaphor is, Ken. I know, exactly. But they hid behind the fact that it was like, oh, it's, it's from the past. So We should have done a 1916 song. Yeah. We would have gotten away with that. We would have. It's, it's, it's historical. It is. Uh, but... Uh, this was the first year in, in quite a while where I didn't like the winner. So I actually, like, the overall contest was kind of ruined for me. You were in a grumpy puss. What, did you like the Australian song? I did like the Australian song, although it did sound a bit typical, kind of like Sia and... and it, it did sound like... Sia's Australian, isn't she? Yeah. It sounded like a Sia it song. It sounded like a lot of kind of pop sounded ballads like sh- these days. Chandelier? That's a Sia song, isn't it? Yeah. It sounded kind of like that. Yeah, it was a great song, but... Uh, but um, they shouldn't be in there, Ken. No, I, was, I was fine with them being in there until they got out of the same semi-final as us and we didn't. Exactly. So now I'm bitter. It's like they were bitter. They, they stole our spot. They it, took our spot. They were basically doing the, uh, they took our jobs. <laughs> the Eurovision. They took their spot. But uh, yeah, overall it was like, but like it was the first year in a long time. Like usually, like I'm a huge Eurovision fan ever since I was a kid. But the reason I probably like it today is because it reminds me of kind of the bygone era and all that stuff. But the, the golden age of like Mickey Joe Hart and yeah. Brian Kennedy. Yeah. Ordinarily, like I'd listen to the songs for a while. Like there would be a few songs I really liked from it. And I'd listen to them kind of for the next Heroes few weeks. Heroes last year. Heroes I played on shuffle yeah. for like probably about six months. It was yeah. actually the longest ever that a Eurovision winner stayed with me. And our pal Mans host at this year's. Man Zemmerlow was one of the hosts with Petra something. You, you said Man Zemmerlow very Swedishly there. <laughs> you like, Man Zemmerlow. Zemmerlo. You had to say it. Man Zemmerlo. Yeah. You had to say it like, with like a Petra Walter name. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, w- it was one of those years where like I didn't like any of the songs, so like they didn't like didn't carry forward with me. Like usually, and I'm, the songs aren't what's important about the Eurovision. Gar- I resent the, the the song that one. I'm sorry. It, it's over the top staging and campness, and just occasionally being just super dumb and extraordinarily high production values. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually, like, that's one of the notes I have here. Like, my overall impression is that like it's getting more and more, like, elaborate and, and ambitious every year. It uh, is the pinnacle of all entertainment. Again. It is, as I described it on Podcast Today. Yes, I'm just getting Podcast Today plugs in now. Just, you know. <laughs> it's, Boo. yeah, it's the Super Bowl halftime show times about 12 for two and a half hours. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I was kind of disappointed because, like, I think I haven't been disappoint- this disappointed with a winner since Azerbaijan in 2011. Now, Granted, it's not as bad as Azerbaijan. It was like Azerbaijan was like made me genuinely angry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how? It's like nerd rage at the Eurovision. Exactly. It's like, how has this song won it? Uh, and there was a lot of accusations that uh, Azerbaijan, you know, who is very big on tourism, wanted to host contests. So they grease some palms. They're going to. They, they, they bribe some jury members, Ken. Apparently so. Are you suggesting the Eurovision is not always above board? Well, you know, like anything, it involves nations. It's it's a, basically it's a coalition of nations, and anything like that is open to corruption. Eurovision has caused European peace, can. Well, we'll get onto that in a moment, Gary, because perhaps it isn't. But uh, yeah, I did not get to. I did. I did not get the. I did not get the appeal of the song, the the winning song. It's basically just like because Ukraine won it a few years ago as well, didn't they? Two thousand and four. Was it that long ago? Yeah, and at that time they were. But in like the, Ukraine, uh, and, Ukraine and Russia were kind of battling a few years ago as well for like second yeah. and third and stuff weren't they yeah before the kind of jury vote came in that kind of leveled the playing field a bit but uh the ukraine actually at that time were in political uh turmoil as well and uh one of my friends on facebook said like get a peninsula stone from you and you get to win the eurovision so if it's that easy uh Maybe we should just give away connacht just give away like more of the north or whatever like, <laughs> you can, can have, have donegal now too you can have donegal just give us our eurovision back it's all we have yeah <laughs> it really is all we have um but I, I think I really felt like it was one of the poorest uh, years for so- years for songs in a long time. I just like none of them really stuck with me. Like the one of the songs, oddly, the only song that really stuck with me is the is the British song, even though it's 
pretty generic and it's super generic but i really like it's the only one that's kind of stuck in my in my head usually i'd be kind of bopping along to to your original tunes for weeks yeah they, they, they gave it socks they came like third last but you know they got 60 points yeah which is more than they usually get it's not bad i did like the way poland were like rock bottom of the jury vote yeah had one point going into the uh, going into the public vote and i think they, they got like fourth highest in the public vote didn't they yeah, so they actually went from last to eighth place. Yeah, in one fell swoop. I saw, I saw a funny meme that said, like, uh, please let me have a 2016, like, Poland. <laughs> in the Eurovision. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, Ukraine's unlikely triumph was probably the, the, what's dominated most of the contest. Um, well, unlikely, you say they were favourites, weren't they? They were kind of, like, Russia were the top favourite, and then Australia, and then I think Ukraine were third or fourth. Yeah, and they were one, two, and three. Yeah, I think France were. How did France do? Uh, f- sixth. It's their highest place. Uh, well, it's the highest place finish in years. I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, because I saw they were they were one of the favorites as well. I'll get onto that. They were kind of in the top five favorites, but uh, do you know what's really kind of bugging me? The competition is kind of really starting to mirror reality reality TV talent shows in that a sob story equals almost certain victory. Like, uh, who else sob story won it? Ken? Actually, the last time Ukraine won it, they had a bit of a political unrest. Oh, so you just have to, you know, be at war and, you know, be starving and stuff. And then you get to win the Eurovision. And, you know, like, uh, Conchita first. Her song was amazing. It was a great song. It was the best song. What she had won without the beard. I hope so. It was the best song. Yeah, it was. But, like, the story did help her, though. But it was the best song. It was a Bond theme. It was a better Bond theme song than Sam Smith's piece of poo. Yeah, but, like, what I'm saying is the the kind of whole... Writings on the wall. Also, that song title annoys me because it's writings on the wall. Not like the writing is on the wall. Yeah. That, 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 it throws me off altogether, Ken. It's a terrible song. It won a freaking Oscar. Yeah, but I just, I, I get a feeling like you have to have some kind of hook, like... You have to have a good song. Trans community or, you know, whatever. LGBT was that year. Well, gay people This year Eurovision. was Russians a big meanie. <laughs> <laughs> They're bullying us. Russia. That'll get, the, that'll teach Putin he won't win the Eurovision. <laughs> Uh, as you noted there, there Gar, Australia dominated the jury vote. They they were ahead by more than a hundred points, finishing out the jury vote, yep. weren't they? I, I didn't think they'd be pegged back, but they were. They, I didn't think so either. We actually had arguments at our party saying like, no, there couldn't be that much points to be awarded because like the jury, the, the the public vote isn't like uh, an equal distribution, is it? No, it's not like first place gets this many, second place gets this many. It it literally it's the deuce poil thing just allocated and bulked. Yeah, whatever whatever points they were awarded, they just get. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like oh, first place gets two hundred, second place gets one hundred and fifty. Yeah. It's like whatever you get, you get. So I I didn't think there would be that big of a discrepancy. But yeah, literally right at the end, Ukraine uh, were given like three hundred and sixty points and they leapfrogged. It Australia. was super dramatic. Yeah. I was like, it's like, because like going into that part, I was like, this whole uh, voting change, which is mirroring the Swedish system uh, when they choose their song in Melody Fastivalen. Um, Once again, said very Swedishly. Yes. Um, they changed to that system because, you know, the whole point is that it's very exciting. But then I was like, well, Australia are like way off in the lead. Is this going to make a difference? And it, it did. Like, I was like, my heart was actually really pounding for that. So yeah. I think the, the new voting system has been a success in that sense but there have been some critics like russia aussies got robbed uh the, the russia Aust- give out oh, the aussies got robbed the, the, the aussies <laughs> well, they didn't get robbed they lost the, Auss- <laughs> the aussies felt a little hard done by because and it, it felt really cruel because halfway through when the jury vote was over and they were like in that commanding lead uh man Zemulu, uh <laughs> it's Zemulu. <Zemulu. laughs> um interviewed danny im from australia to say oh you're doing really well and you know everyone thought like twitter was like yeah australia won the euros and yeah it's like oh no they didn't <laughs> and and she was like oh thanks very much for the votes and she was really excited and then it seemed kind of cruel to interview her at that point and then at the end she got pulled the, the rug out uh, actually they wouldn't have posted it actually would they no there's a there's a kind of a, a, a fail safe in place because last year they were an associate uh, entry I think there's still an associate entry because the Australian Broadcasting Union is a an associate member of the European Broadcasting yeah, Union, but not an actual member. They have to pay their dues now, Ken. Yeah, but they're a full participant, which is why they had to do the semi-final. They're a full, fully-fledged participant now. But they should, they should, Ken. They should be a dues-paying member of the European Broadcasting Union. They should. Well, let them into the Euros, too. If why they, not? If, yeah, why not? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares now? Australia aren't that great. We can beat Australia. <laughs> but, like, last year, the... the 
the the provision was put in place that if they won, they'd have to nominate a European country to host it. Us. <laughs> it's the same this year. Uh, probably because they are a full member now, so they, they have the same rights. But just because if they had an Australia, we would all be watching Eurovision at 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah. So it, it wouldn't be very practical. Or they'd be starting at 10 a.m. We'd be yeah. watching it regular time. They'd, they'd, they'd bend to us, Ken. We wouldn't bend to them. Exactly. So it wouldn't be very practical to host it over there. Australia. But like, I, I, was, I was almost joking, like like the only way that we'd get to host Eurovision if Australia win it, because you can guarantee that we'd bid to host it just to kind of... Damn right. Because like... I would lead that bid. We had that inferiority complex where we were like, look at us. Look how much money we have, even though we, have, we don't have it. We kind of have it. We're trying to show off. Like we're very much like, like an Irish mammy trying to show off. Who, who would host the Eurovision for us now, Ken? I don't know. Besides us, of course. Probably, they'd probably be your man Nicky Byrne, wouldn't it? I would failed miserably for us. It'd probably be Tuberty, surely. Maybe. Nicky Byrne for Ireland in the semi-final came 15th out of 18. Yeah, we didn't do well in the semi. Actually, Marty Whelan. Yeah. He should host it. Yeah, he should. He deserves it after all the, the long-suffering years. But Interestingly, Ken, because Australia did not win in the end, yeah. but they did beat Ukraine in the semi-final. Yes. Which is an interesting little tidbit. And interestingly, since the introduction, reintroduction, I should say, of the juries, in 2009, which is a 50-50 split, uh, no country until Ukraine had won the Eurovision without topping the either the jury vote or the public vote. They didn't top either vote, but they ended up being the overall winner. Yeah. And actually, it's the first time since your, your pals Azerbaijan, wonderful place, uh, it's the first time since those that them in 2011 that the country that won in the end did not win their semi. Yeah. So, it's, so there's an, another interesting little tidbit. Yeah, and Russia, of course, because they're sore losers, are they actually put out a tweet saying that um, I can't remember the guy's name. I think his name is like some generic Sergei. <laughs> it was Sergei, actually. Yeah, You're saying like racist. Sergei is our true champion. Quote. Yeah. Um, because they won the public vote, so their claim was that. Uh, that uh, it's always been like this. It's just been less visible. Yeah, exactly. Australia won the jury vote. Does that mean they're the champions? Yeah. But uh, yeah, we didn't win either. Does that mean we're the champion? <laughs> no, exactly. it doesn't. Nicky Byrne can't sing and that was our problem but our, um, our song wasn't staged well enough are the times of the Eurovision coming to an end are we moving towards a world vision now because no USA uh, were a party to the Eurovision for the first time this yes, year some network aired it, it they aired it and uh, it got a good Tanner reaction. was telling me about this on a podcast today but I can't remember which network it got it got a good reaction from the Americans so it's, it, it's one of those things like that they probably the annoying thing is if they got to participate they'd probably send some quite big act every year and it dominated we're not letting them in no Australia you know Australia are harmless down there in the, the southern hemisphere we're not letting the Yanks in they'd ruin it yeah because they'd probably send like American Idol JT they yeah. send JT yeah because he was at the Eurovision this year like the Eurovision we hosted America every year because they'd win every single year or the world vision yeah you're not getting in America fuck you sorry sorry this is, a, this is a family we, podcast yeah. I'm sorry do we have like a rating on iTunes we do. We have. We're supposed to be clean. So. God damn it, Ken. Sorry. Sorry. Um, what other thing, Gary? It's it's, with the exception of France, it's another poor year for the big five. So my question here is, how long will they continue to fund the contest, which with such poor returns on their investment? Let what's me give you. But what what's the return on the investment? They're not funding it to win a freaking song contest. I do want to win. Everybody they, wants they to win. They do, but send better songs. That's your solution. France had their first best year since two thousand and one, finishing in sixth place. Italy finished in 16th after finishing third they last did year. well enough last year. Third, yeah. Send finish. a good song and you'll do well in the Eurovision. Send a bad song and you won't make it out of the semi. Spain finished in 22nd place. UK finished in 24th place. And Germany finished in 26th place. So th this means that Germany has now finished in last place two years in a row. But they won it recently. Having won it in 2010. With L Lena. And Lena? Would you, would you, uh, That's her name, right? They're looking at the script, Gar, because it's actually in there. Would you like to hazard a guess that the last time a big five country won it before Germany? I've already seen it. It's 97 in the UK. Yeah, damn it. I read the script, Ken. I'm on top of things. Do you remember Lena's song? Sure. It's like, love, love, love. And she said love really weirdly. Yeah. And that annoyed me. It did annoy me too. But uh, Germans and not saying things in English properly. Do you think it would just be fair for all the countries to shoulder the cost and then have no automatic qualifiers? No, I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. So I do, I, I, I do have written, if one of them want to opt out, I will happily pay for it myself. Yeah. I have like... Some 800 euro on my bank account I can chip in But Russia Russia's big I shouldn't say how much I have in my bank account On a podcast Yeah Though realistically If you're targeting somebody It's like Labbit 800 bucks It's not really worth it is it Yeah The potential to get caught Exactly Because so, you'll notice more <laughs> Yeah 
<laughs> like Garen owes every penny that he has. But uh, uh, Russia's uh, claims that the the new voting system was unfair, even though it's just uh, just kind of exposing it was, the system it, that, that was in place already. It literally, it actually gave more credence to the public vote, didn't it? Yeah. It gave them equal credence rather than one taking predominance. Because yeah. actually, I, I think um, five thirty eight, the website, yeah, they ran the numbers on last year's Eurovision, yeah, and it would have affected some places here and there. The UK would have finished last last year actually if they, they had the same voting system as they had this year, but it wouldn't affected I think any of like the top ten to twelve spots. Yeah. So shut up, Russia. Yeah. Um. It didn't help facts that uh the Danish jury's votes were actually compromised by a misunderstanding of this new system. Brilliant. Hilda Heik of the Danish jury. <laughs> That is such a Danish name. She, Hilda Hike. Basically, she, you're supposed to award points from 1 to 26 for like your least favorite act to your favorite act. Except she somehow interpreted that as she should do it the other way around. Brilliant. So she got her points backwards. So her favorite sh- song, Australia, got no points from her. Mm-hmm. And her least favorite song, Ukraine, got uh, all the points. So as a result... This actually affected the overall vo- uh, uh, effect of the uh, outcome of the, of the Danish jury. So, not Australia very efficient got, Scandinavians, are they? Yeah, Australia got ten points when they should have got twelve, and Ukraine got twelve points, deuce points when they should have got zero points from the Danish jury. Really? Yeah. Just because she misinterpreted it. Yeah, it was that big a mistake. Huh. So. Ukraine ended up on 534 when they should have been on 522. And Australia ended up on 511 when they should have been on 513. So, so it wouldn't have made a difference. It wouldn't have made a difference, but it should have been a nine-point gap instead of a 20-something point gap. Unless there's a lot more cases like that where that happened. Which we don't know. But uh, I suppose Ukraine, uh, Ukraine are like, yay, who cares? But Russia are like, see, it doesn't work. We should have won. We're the people's champions. Shut up, Russia. But uh, You're never right about anything. Yeah. You're like the millhouse of countries. The odd thing is the the Eurovision officials haven't moved to amend the scoring. They've kept the Ukraine oh. on their original score. But just that she's dumb doesn't mean that's what she voted for is what she voted for, Ken. Yeah, that must be the the rule. Like once they're submitted, they can't be changed. What you put on your piece of paper, or whoever or however you submit it, is what is the rules. And John Olaf Sand would not stand for changing the rules in the middle of the competition. Okay, so overall, yeah, you're defending Ukraine's win, but you're also saying they should be disqualified. Yes. There should be 12 on different grounds than the points. They breached the rules. They did. Um, so the voting system was a success in the sense that it made it more exciting, but they just need to work out the kinks in terms of people actually knowing what they're doing. You just don't have people being incompetent. Yeah. Um, but there's an interesting kind of question with the future of the contest. You know, Is there? Mans and Petra noted that during their opening that like, which was amazing, by the way. They had like a, a a musical opening, which was fantastic. Was that the same as the one for the semi? The semi? No, the semi was amazing. The, yeah. They should have done that in the final. Yeah, that was that, that was great. Yeah. Their, their, their little history of the Eurovision, yeah, winking yeah. and nodding. Yeah, it almost feels like something like the, the guys from Frozen would have done. But yeah, and surprisingly, like Sweden is being funny, you know? <laughs> no, they're kind of re- reiterating that the origins of the contest and the aim of the contest is to unite Europe. And it's becoming increasingly difficult as we face darker times. So the whole point is to unite Europe and prevent war. But apparently this whole thing has caused... The, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine to escalate, which sounds ridiculous because it's a sound I really contest. don't think it has. But apparently, no, but like, I've been reading quotes today from like Russian and Ukraine politicians. We're going to invade them harder now. Now, the Ukraine politicians are like, yes, it's a victory for democracy and a victory for freedom. And then uh, obviously the... Russians the, wanted to be a victory for a dictatorship. The Russians are like... Oppression. This result is deeply flawed. It's part of an anti... Russian bias that's been in the media recently. That's probably true. <laughs> um, you know, first of all, you're accusing all our athletes of doping. It's like, what are you talking about accusing? They failed the tests. Yeah. So Russia, like, shut up and go away. Russia feeling victimized. But the one By thing... By saying that the Millhouse of people is the, harsh on Millhouse. The one thing that um, gives credence to your fact that maybe Ukraine should have been disqualified was at the end of her song and when she was announced the winner, Jamala said something that, you know, that everyone should be free and there should be, you know, peace and freedom so I'm sure she'll say that i just meant that in general yeah not at all about my particular country's situation exactly ukraine accent but she made political comments i'm it's, trying to differentiate from my russian accent she's been very clever because she made what could be construed as political comments but they're not yeah you know so it's just vague in general which peace and happiness everywhere I, I don't think it's the fact that ukraine won i think it's what's sticking in uh russia's craw is that they're basically using excuse to rub it in basically it's like suck at russia and um, Russia are threatening to boycott next year's contest because it's going to be held in Ukraine. Work away. 
Yeah. <laughs> Russia Thanks. usually do well, so I'm happy if they don't go, don't enter. Uh, well, I think that's that's we've we've talked it out, Gary. We've talked out the Eurovision. It's uh, it's all over for another year, sadly. But I am certain that at least some of our listeners are closet, if not avid Eurovision fans. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on this year's contest by reaching out to us on Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Coming up after the break, we take a pop culture tour of the 1940s in Back to the Past. So do stay tuned. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Welcome back to the Weekend Show with myself, Ken Kidney, and my loyal co-host, Garrett. Garrett stuck with me through thick and thin for 40 episodes now. 40 whole episodes of wonderful goodness. Thank you, Garrett. Yeah. Love you. Love you too. In honour of our 40th episode, I thought we would revisit, no pun intended, one of our favourite segments, Back to the Past. This time, however, we are doing things a little differently. Instead of visiting one year, we're going big with a whistle-stop tour of the eventual decade that was the 1940s. I assume it's the 1940s because this is our 40th episode. You gotta care. Was that actually a thing you did or was it just by accident? No, I did it. That way. Why the 40s instead of 40 years ago? Because, shut up. That wasn't a critique, Ken. It was just a question. What about the 40s? Well, the 40s seemed like an eventual decade because it was in the backdrop of World War II. Yeah, a lot of war. Pop culture was influenced by that and I found it interesting. Fine. Is that enough Is that enough justification for you? That's plenty. God, Ken. So, Gar, yeah. what are your what are your memories of the nineteen forties? Well, I was not even a, a, t- a twinkle in an eye because Dad was born in fifty five and Mom in fifty eight, so they weren't even alive. Um, so I don't have any. <laughs> Nor do I. Okay, moving on. Uh, and then our third segment. <laughs> <laughs> Something's let us, know your, let us know your thoughts on the 1940s <laughs> on Twitter. No. Do you think we have any listeners from the nineteen forties? What age would they have to be? Seventy six. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, people like what sixty six to seventy six. Some old people are tech savvy. They listen to podcasts. I'm sure. I'm sure they love our podcast. They do. It's the we're best very, podcast on the whole internet. Some of our some of our social media interactions have come from people in in their uh, winter years. So winter years. You know, uh, we're oh. big. We're big with the with the with the elderly community. So don't don't anger them, Garrett. <laughs> don't slag off. The, They're the, the ones that complain. <laughs> They're the ones that have the time to protest. <laughs> exactly. So kicking off at 1940. Uh, uh, so, God, do you want to read our first point there? Churchill became leader of England. I'm sure Churchill would have supported European solidarity. I don't know, would he? I don't know. He was very British, though. Very pro-British. Well, I imagine most people are pro-British. Except the Scots. They're not very pro-British, are they? <laughs> it was one of the first examples of kind of like uh, a cult of personality in the UK becoming the leader. You know, like like the campaign being... Bigger than the person himself in some ways. Look in my eyes. What do you see? <laughs> the cult of personality. That's our only good song. So yeah, Churchill became the leader of Great Britain. And like it's great how like he's like, Yeah, I'm Prime Minister two a couple of years later. Oh, war. Yeah. So he had to he had to handle he was Prime Minister through most of that war, wasn't he? But I don't know. If not all of it. I don't know anything about history. <laughs> so uh, there you go. He was uh he his timing was unfortunate. Although Probably the reason he's so remembered now is because he led Britain through that period. So yeah, it's a double-edged sword. He was in Doctor Who. He was not the real, not the real Churchill. But no, <laughs> a, 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 an actor portraying been, him. But when did he die? He would have been alive when Doctor Who, Doctor Who was actually on the air, wouldn't he? Maybe I don't know. If you know the answer to this, let us know on Twitter at twskk or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash twskk. Shows how very little history I know about history. While you're at it, maybe like the page or follow us. Or review us on iTunes or give us a thumbs up on YouTube or basically anything that can possibly share around our, our stuff. Come on, it's our 40th birthday. We need this. Yeah, we've done 40 whole episodes. That can be your present to us. You don't need to get us a tie or anything like that. Gone on 3,000 listens. Yeah. Which isn't bad. Also 1940 guard, nickel juke boxes started to appear in taverns for the first time. Yeah, they did. So uh, back then, 16 songs cost 50 cents. And this is a weird one. You could also buy three minutes of silence for five cents. Is that like holding people ransom? Well, shut it up if you pay us money. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sick of the songs. I'm sick of the songs. Imagine being the killjoy that pays for the silence. Because <laughs> 16 songs. If someone puts 50 cents into that, that's going to last a while. It is. So it's like, ah, put the, put the five cents in. 
So he pays for the guy paying for the silence. He's like, boo, you jerk. <laughs> I want to sit here quietly in contemplation. Yes. Yeah. Next up, Citizen Kane was released again. In 1941. I've never seen it. Orson Welles directed the groundbreaking film uh, at the, the start of the decade. Have you seen it? I have not. So, that's Citizen Kane, folks. <laughs> there you go. This this next one is maybe more up our alley. Hashtag Team Cap. Marvel Comics introduces Captain America for the first time in March 1941. So you get an older character. I really, I'm interested that he was introduced before the war. Yeah. When he was still... But then he was co-opted to use his propaganda. Of course he was, but... I would have thought he was more of a wartime character than a pre-war character. Interesting. Yeah. I would have thought he was in reaction to the wars. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what that's what I thought. We learned this. We we've learned something today. Well, he was a precursor to it. Here's another amazing fact: guy. Rice Krispies adopted the very snap, crackle, and pop to describe the sound it makes when you pour on milk. I looked this up, Ken. Rice Krispies were invented and released in 1928, so it's like it took them 13 years to go. Wait, when you pour milk on them, they make noise. <gasps> Perhaps we can use this maybe as an advertising slogan. To sell more Rice Krispies. I wonder when Rice Krispie cakes were invented. I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. Let's find out. Rice if Krispie you know, cake. you can let us know on Twitter <laughs> yeah. at DWS Rice, Cake. Rice Krispie cakes are nice. They are very nice. Those are one of those I, things I, like, yeah. I like the ones with marshmallows in them. Or like, and they basically turned Rice Krispie cakes into bars. Yeah. With the Rice Krispie bars. What's your favorite Rice Krispie bar? I like Rocky Road. I like the caramel one. The caramel one is also caramel very good. Caramel is but good. I don't like any of that has like raisins or, you know, those kind of things. It's just yeah. like, I don't want to put fruit in my chocolate. Ugh. I know. That's making it less unhealthy. That's not what I want. Duh. Uh, moving on to 1942, RCA Records sprays gold on a recording of Glenn Miller's Chattanooga Choo Choo. I've never heard this song. Do you know no. how it goes? Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> for having sold more than one million copies, creating the first gold record in existence. I assume that the term gold came from the spraying of the gold rather than there being a term gold beforehand. Exactly. So like this was like a marketing ploy from them, but then it became like the industry, sta- industry standard, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Happened in 1942. Um, it, uh, the middle of the 40s seems to be quite quiet for pop culture uh, tidbits because we, our next uh, points come from 1945 people were a little busy killing each other yeah they were quite uh, quite preoccupied with uh, murder yeah so you know like I'm pretty sure like stuff like the premier or the, the English first division didn't run during the war years did they no, nothing really ran FA Cup was abandoned all that stuff like, obviously that kind of stuff is prime target for bombings so you don't, you, you don't want large public gatherings at a time when the Germans are dropping bombs on you Yep. Yeah, so in 1945, here's a, a a lovely point here, Gar. A really, uh, really uh, uh, exciting one. The atomic bomb was first tested in New Mexico. Boo. Yeah. So that's a a dark day for it's, humanity. It's pre- humanity. It's pretty sad. <laughs> uh, but brighter days were to come, Gar, because in on May 2nd, 1945, German forces in Berlin surrendered. Hmm. The Battle of Berlin. Wait, when did uh, the World War uh, start? 1940. Two or something? I don't know. 39, maybe? Oh, yeah. So, so Captain America was a response. Yeah, Gar. Gosh. See, I told you I knew nothing about history. There is probably people who are listening to this podcast who are like, No, you idiot. Of course he was a response. The World War started in 1938. We're officially uh, retracting that statement. So yeah. don't give us Twitter <laughs> yes. This isn't the freaking history podcast. We're not here to teach you things. It's the reason Ken facts are a thing. So the Battle of Berlin, which led to the surrender of, of the German forces, was the beginning of the end of World War Two, And uh, moving strict, uh, swiftly on, the end of World War II... Uh, yeah, you see, that's where I got mixed up. World War One was 14 to 18, wasn't it? In Asia... Uh, so that's, that's what was in my head. Yeah, well, sure you did. Yeah, sure. You dope. Uh, the end of World War Two occurred in August uh, 14 to 15, 1945, when Japan surrendered to the Allied powers. So that, that's kind of called Victory! things a day. We won, Ken. Yeah, we were that. neutral, but we won, because we're like, we're not getting involved in any of this. We're just gonna sit here on our little island next to England. I know, but we have nothing to do with it. We're well, here we're, on our own. We're gonna help them out, but that, don't read too much into that. But we're not picking a side, just in case. Yeah, hedging the bets. <laughs> we still got, uh, we, we still caught a few bombings though. A yeah. couple of bombings. But we are a neutral country. We're still a neutral country because the stupid fucking Germans dropped the bombs in the wrong place. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, in 1947, a Hollywood blacklist 
of alleged communist sympathizers, including including 300 writers, directors, and actors, uh, was created, and they were banned from working in Hollywood. Uh, I just want to add in here a sneaky Netflix, Trumbo. You've, you've talked about Trumbo on the show before. I talked about Trumbo on the show before. Trumbo. Was it a Netflix? I don't it think was, it was. I think it was, it was an intro segment. It wasn't a, a movie review we did. But uh, if you get a chance to see Trumbo, it actually details the kind of uh, struggle of, of, of the writers during that period. So it's actually a good insight into that. Uh, Brian Cranston. Period in history. And yeah, he was nominated for an Oscar for it, and rightfully so. So any, any other year, he probably would have won it, but uh, Leo Frenzy kind of prevented him this year. Just give it to Rhea, Leo, for God's sake. 1948. Uh Jackie Robinson became the first African-American to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball. So he's we, a pioneer. We've more or less gotten rid of segregation. Yeah. Unless you're you're a trans person who wants to piss in a men's toilet. Yeah, then you're, you're shit out of luck. But, uh, oh, damn, language. Yeah. Advisory. More importantly, Ken, Velcro wasn't invented. In Switzerland by George the Mistral. I've always wanted to put one on one of those Velcro suits and, like, trampoline into a Velcro wall. Yeah. Knowing my look, it wouldn't stick and I'd just fall on my arse. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, dear. Oh dear, my bum is sore. But uh, like, imagine just, like being there and like creating something, and like everyone else going like, "That's fucking useless." <laughs> it's like, but it attaches. And they're like, "Whatever, George." <laughs> it's like, it, what are the practical applications? Well, you can wear a suit and trampling into a wall, yeah. and it will catch you. Or go if, home, George. You're, you're drunk. Or if you're a stripper, you can tear off your clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if you if you're a kid, you can wear stylish shoes with, with, with lights on them. Well, Velcro. Maybe the lights didn't come until after Ken. Yeah. It's like Velcro shoes without the lights are pointless. They are completely. But um, do you think he was ever saw the benefits of Velcro? Like, did it make him a millionaire, or did it only kind of become big after he died? Did Velcro ever become big? But it's used in so many things still. Like. Bags, yeah, but the pattern's probably up by now, I'd say. I'd imagine. Probably. Who knows? Uh, moving on to the final year of, of this historic decade. In 1949, George Orwell wrote a classic novel about a dystopian future. George Orwell was very busy during this time, wasn't he? This, probably. This decade. Did uh, he write Animal Farm during this decade? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the book was titled 1984, which actually not only does it influence a lot of sci-fi today, but also influence a lot of technology that followed as well. Have you read it? No, but like it talks, <laughs> but like a lot of the technology talks, but or so I'm told, actually exists today, which is kind of so it did yeah. foreshadow a lot of technology. The, idea that the government is watching you and all that. I started it actually. I I read like the first three or four pages because I was in um, you know, one of those things I had to do for tutorials where I had to hold like uh, an office hour. Yeah. Where no one ever came to say hello to me. <laughs> but not, I, not even a, a needy mature student. No, not even a needy mature student, and. Even though I think someone someone emailed me once saying, yeah, I, I, I want to ask you a question. I, I was like sitting there because usually I'd, I'd play my DS or yeah. I'd, I'd read the first few pages of 19. Because you're a professional, I got it. Yeah, 1984, which I do have on my Kindle. But and I, I sat there waiting and they never came. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, closing out the 1940s, Gareth, the Polaroid land camera, which produced a picture in 60 seconds, went on sale for $90. Did that also steal souls? Uh, yes. In fact, it stole them quicker, Gar. Oh, I did research on this one, Ken. It's more efficient. I, I worked out what $90 in today's money is. See? Wow. See? See? Research. Great prep, Gar. Ah, what do you think it is? It's fantastic journalism. Oh, is it, It's obviously more. It's, it's considerably more, yes. <sighs> I'm going to say $500. Oh, 904 well, That's like 10 times. Yeah, that's wow. how much this camera costs in today's money at launch. Damn. It stole your soul in only 60 seconds. Yeah, but and, and you've got like photos that are really poor quality, but they they were they came out in sixty seconds. Yeah, but, like those those photos are always like really poorly exposed or like. I'm sure. Well, they were blurry. good for the time, Ken. Jeez. Oh, they weren't digitally picture perfect because it was from 1949. Did you just? Did you just? Did you digitally? Digitally slay? Ah, never mind. I I basically adoy doy to you on on the podcast. You digitally slut-shamed me, girl. That's doi what I was doi. trying to say. There's nothing that makes you more inherently mad than when you say something and then someone just goes, Adoi doi. And you're like, yes, mm. we've tested this at length with Brother Ed and <laughs> believe me, my blood is boiling right now. <laughs> yeah. Do we miss any of the notable events of the 40s? Do not hesitate to chastise us for our egregious mistakes on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> we did make an egregious mistake about when World War II was. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure that you'll find... Uh, you'll have no trouble finding something that we got wrong here. So Ken researched this, by the way, not me. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to hackle somebody, hackle Ken. 
You can heckle us on Facebook okay. or on Twitter. Just search TWSKK. Come on. We can take it. Or I can take it. Ken can take it. Just time for another quick break before we come right back with our brand new segment, Weekend Heroes. Stick around. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TWSKK, Twitter at TWSKK, or search for TWSKK on YouTube. You are very welcome back to the Weekend Show 40th episode special. You know, Gar, as guardians of all things pop culture. That's what the show is. Yeah. Um, you and I have many artists and creators creators that we admire. We, I admire you, Ken. I admire you too, Gar. You're my first inductee. No, you're not. <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke. It's like, and yes, Ken, my first inductee is me for the <laughs> wonderful podcast, Podcast Today, and I suppose The Weekend Show too. I've never heard of it. So we decided that we wanted to pay tribute to those that who inspire us. Uh, to that end, we came up with our brand new segment, Weekend Heroes. Uh, in this uh, hopefully hopefully recurring segment, depends whether you like it or not. So you, you know the David Bowie song Heroes. Yeah, that's like we can be heroes. Yeah. If you just pretend to mishear that, you can potentially hear it as Weekend Heroes. Yeah. So that's what he's saying. Coincidentally, that's actually the name of this episode. We could be heroes. Yeah. So there we go. Little, little spoiler for you. Just for one day. Not a spoiler, because if you're actually listening to the episode, you've already seen the you've episode gotten, title. And you've gotten pretty far into it as well. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you for sticking with us all this time. If you listen this far, I love you. So basically, we're hoping this is going to become a recurring segment uh, on our milestone episodes. But uh, if you don't like it, then you'll never hear it again. So we'll see. Like the quiz. Exactly. The quiz is coming back, though. I have I have the quiz penciled in for a future episode. Ooh. So uh, we'll assault your ears with that in the near future. But uh, basically what we will do in each segment is uh, we will each profile one of our heroes and offer them up as an inductee into what we are calling the Weekend Heroes Hall of Fame. It's a real place. We have like statues and, you know, memorabilia. It's in uh, Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Nice place, apparently. I mean, it is a nice place. I have been there and there is a Hall of Fame. (laughs) So, (laughs) damn, I blew that con pretty quick, didn't I? You blew it, like, in literally (laughs) 1.5 seconds. Literally immediately. It's been a long 40 episodes. So, Gar, don't keep us in suspense any longer. Who's your first honoree? By the way, we recorded all of these episodes at once. We are time travelers. What? That's the big reveal at the end of the 40th episode. Exactly. (laughs) It's actually a work of, like, fiction. We're all building to this big moment. I I was between three potentially... (laughs) Uh, well, three potential entrants, all of whom were musical in nature. One of whom was John Williams, mm-hmm. who I very nearly inducted, but didn't. The other was Koji Kondo, who did a lot of like Nintendo and Mario and Zelda music, who I very nearly inducted, but didn't. The one I have decided on, Ken, is Nobuo Umatsu. Do you know who that is? Um, I, I looked it up when you told me you're going to induct him. <laughs> so he's a, a video game... A composer. Yes, he has done all of the music for the Final Fantasy games. And a large portion of my childhood was, was poured into the Final Fantasy series. You'll know that. Yes, of course. Yes, I poured... You, fi- you finished, like, Final Fantasy VII when you were, like, seven or eight, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, suck at older people who couldn't do well at that game. I was smart enough to beat a video game when I was seven. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> but... His music in those games it were was essential to those games really working. Yeah. Because especially like even if you consider something like a battle theme, which is a theme that, that comes on every time you get into a random battle in those games. So it is literally by the end of that game, it is a piece of music you hear like thousands and thousands of times. So it, it has to be memorable enough and kind of likable enough that you don't get fed up of it by the thousand time, but like not so memorable that, you know, every single time it, it kind of stands out or it wears thin eventually. It has to be the perfect, likable, but mediocre piece of music, which is actually a really difficult thing to do. But uh, the reason I, I included him over someone like Koji Kondo is, is that I think his music has kind of a broader range. It, it gets to like more emotional levels. Like the, the, the Super Mario theme is an, an iconic piece of, of music, but it, it doesn't evoke like uh, an emotional reaction. I, I would I would disagree. I think it does. Aside from like nostalgia. Yeah, that's what that's more what I was thinking. But at the time, there's no nostalgia. The nostalgia attached to that music. 
Interesting. But, in, but in, it has maybe has uh, taken on meaning through through time. It has. But um, Umatsu's music kind of defined those games because at their core, they're like really good RPGs. But with, with his music that captures scenes, like the, the Aeris death scene in Final Fantasy VII, spoilers for a nearly 20-year-old game, though it is being remade. But still, I assume she'll still die. I imagine if they don't I do that. I still haven't gotten over it, Karen. Yeah. That, that scene wouldn't have nearly the same amount of impact without the piece of music that plays along with it. In fact, I would say it, it wouldn't have the same impact at all because that piece of music really digs in your heart. And I've listened to his music more than pretty much anybody in my life. Like, literally anybody. I have playlists of Final Fantasy music on my iPod that I listen to, like, out of context. And there are people who are like, oh, video game music, you know, it's just the same thing repeating, or it's just beeps and boops. And it's like, it's not. It's actually, especially when you play the games and you develop an emotional attachment to these pieces of music, and you develop, like, in your head, when these pieces of music play, they actually bring you somewhere, and they, they connect with you on a, a different level. And very little of this music has words, because I'm not a person who listens to pretty much any music with words. That's that's not entirely true. But I, I will listen to movie scores and, and video game music until the end of time. Because, as I said, the three people I were going to nominate for this this prestigious award, Ken, I'm sure we'll send them something in the mail. I'm sure we'll send them a plaque. Or a cert. Because yeah. a plaque is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but... Literally, I, I listen to music with words, without words, on a daily basis. And more often than not, it's his. And he brought kind of video game music into the mainstream. He, I think, has been inducted into the Classical Music Hall of Fame. Wow, that's a that's a big honor. Or at the very least, some of his music has been. Because, you know, they do like the yearly lists and stuff. Yeah. And some of his music have made those lists. Because they, they brought that music into the mainstream. Because, like, you know, Bach and Beethoven, they compose music as as kind of entertainment. You know, at the time, that music by itself was entertainment. But that music these days has kind of evolved and moved into different mediums. So you get the same people composing like brilliant pieces of music, but they're fitting them into other pieces of culture, which didn't exist at the time, like Bach. You know, if Bach existed in 2016, Bach probably would have been a film composer. Probably, because you know? they were working in the medium of, medium of the time. Yeah. Whereas these people are the Bachs and the Beethovens of our time producing wonderful, brilliant pieces of music. And Ken, he's my inductee into the Weekend Show, Weekend Heroes Hall of Fame. Get the name right, Gary. I was, I was branding, Ken. I was branding it. Um, I will develop a logo at some point. I'm mad for the logos these days. Uh, you did, you did, you, I, I mentioned the network thing. I said this on podcast today, yesterday. I mentioned the network thing. It's like, kind of like, we're in two podcasts. We're a network now. And Ken's like, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> I went all, all in on that one. But um, I just want to read an excerpt uh, from a, a recent uh, AV, uh, AV Club article to introduce my inductee here. Fire away. The common perception of Jim Henson is that he was Kermit the Frog. The steady presence amid the whirling chaos that resulted from any attempt to bridge the world inside his head with our own. But the truth is that Jim Henson was just as likely to be the cause of that chaos whether chafing against the impression that his creations were just kid stuff or nearly bankrupting his investors during the troubled development period of his ambitious all-puppet fantasy film. Uh, he referring to The Dark Crystal there. Woo. Uh, the creative force behind The Muppets, Fraggle Rock, uh, The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth did a tremendous amount of living for someone who died in his mid-50s. That's from Brian J. Jones on AV Club in his uh, review of the recent biography on Jim Henson. Oh, do you think that's a good book, Ken? It's a very good book. I haven't read it yet. Oh, do you think that was a wonderful birthday present to get somebody? Thanks, Gar. Yeah, maybe if you read it. But uh, just in case you didn't get that, my my first inductee is uh, Jim Henson. I thought it was Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a co-induction then. It, it is technically Kermit the Frog. Yeah. So uh, there's a few reasons I want to outline here. My fir the first one was uh, that Jim had a, a, a boundless imagination. No, no idea was too big for him. Like or weird. <laughs> yeah, or weird. Because like, what I, I mentioned the Dark Crystal there, like, uh, like a, a feature film with me, like, with characters like that are all puppets, one hundred percent with puppets. Like, first of all, that's extremely ambitious and just difficult to make. And he was just like, I'm gonna do it. This is my vision. I'm gonna do it. And yeah. People Actually, I was listening to before before you continue. I was listening to an interview with Anthony and Jay Russo. Or yeah. Anthony and Joe Russo. There we go. The, the directors of Captain America, uh, The Winter Soldier and Civil War and Community and other things. And they were talking about like their creative process 
And they were talking about how instead of trying to like anticipate what people want, which I think is what like a lot of studios do and a lot of television do and everything is like by the numbers. This is what we think people want. It's like, no, we create something that, you know, we would like. Yeah. And then we hope other people do too. And I think that's a very interesting approach. And it seemed to be what Jim Henson did. It's like, yeah. I have this weird vision in my head of, of a bunch of puppets running around going, yay. Yeah. It's like, no one is telling me that is something someone wants. Yeah. You know, it's not like there's a market out there. It's like guaranteed. This is a moneymaker. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm just going to go do it. That's that's actually my next point. He had, he had like basically an unshakable and uncompromising vision. Like he marched to be his own of his own drum, even when others doubted him or even laughed. A huge example is like that. Nobody in America would touch the Muppet show. Yeah. He had to go to the UK to get that made. Which is this is nuts yeah. when you consider what kind of a, a cultural institution it became. Exactly. Uh, he was fearless. Like he, he never seemed deterred by failure. It only seemed to motivate him. Basically, he loved to prove the doubters wrong. You know, he's like, so like people said, a, a feature film with entirely puppets, you'll never make money on that. And it like tripled its budget, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Labyrinth was less of a success story, but you know, there was this, the Labyrinth went further down the weird rabbit hole. Yeah. So, but you know, without these things, there without failure does not come success, Ken. Exactly. And with time, actually, Labyrinth has become a cult classic. So people have seen the merit, uh, you know, with hindsight. Very few have succeeded without failing. Uh, Jim also seemed like a selfless character to me. Now, now I don't, I don't know him. Uh, he's unfortunately passed away, but. Uh, one prime example is that he created his Sesame Street and he gave it to public television and re- even rejected large offers for the characters from the likes of Disney so that generations of children could learn. Well, Disney owned them up, it's not, though. They never got Sesame Street, though. No, he wouldn't give it to them. It's and on they, HBO now. That's why it's sad to me that HBO got it because yeah. obviously, you know, he's been gone for a long time now. So, you know, whoever controlled it sold out, basically. It still goes to... PBS uh, eventually. PBS, yeah, eventually. But. So there's... Uh, but... Uh, that seemed like a really cool thing just like creating a project that he made no money from and he spent a lot of time and energy and love and attention to just for the pure sake of 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 doing something good like tickle me elmo has shown us how much marketing potential is in those characters yeah but he's like let's give it the public access and (laughs) educate a generation and like there is debates over whether or not there is like a legitimate sesame street effect but that has been found yeah. That like that uh, uh, in educational terms, people have done better after Sesame Street than they did beforehand. People in similar circumstances, when you account for the differences, it's crazy. Like that's like to me, that's true immortality. It's like that is literally changing the world. Exactly. It's like and and to and today, like coming on to my last point, it, it, he's time tested. So he's created some of the most beloved, beloved and you know uh, embraced characters that that still live on to this day. Like his characters are are, are 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 timeless. So like they're as relevant today as they were. We say the week the after the Muppets got cancelled. <laughs> but they're still on TV, damn it. No, but like, uh, you know, maybe the Muppets TV wasn't the best format for him. Like they tried to, I think one of the mistakes they probably made was they tried to go adult with it, which is not their kind of thing. Well, it wasn't that they went adult because the Muppets have always been somewhat adult. So a little bit risque. Yeah. yeah, but I think they went too mean with it. That yeah. was the problem. Yeah. The Muppets were never mean to one another. Exactly. Or at least not consistently. It's not the spirit. Their kind of spirit was kind of lightheartedness and, and whimsy and, and kind of like okay, Occasionally characters were dumb, but it was, the joke was on themselves, not yeah. not someone else making a joke of them it was never it never intended to hurt anyone's feelings or to yeah, to, to hurt anyone that's where i think that muppet show went wrong but i i just want to sum up by saying it's a testament uh to the impact of his creations that a man whose whose thoughts and ideas contributed so much to shaping uh, me as a person or creating the person i am today will continue to do the same for generations of young people with his ageless characters Jim's overall legacy to me is that being yourself is the true path to greatness and no dream is too big if you stay the course. Uh, it's a distinct honor for me and a privilege in the week of the 26th anniversary of his passing, which was uh, yesterday. So he died on May 9, uh, 16th, 1990, to induct Jim to the weekend show hall. Uh, I, I botched it too, guys. Sorry. You, you started crying. <laughs> Getting a bit, a bit, a bit emotional. Getting a bit emotional. The weekend, Jim. So uh, let me start again to do him justice. It's my honor and privilege to induct Jim Henson to the Weekend Heroes Hall of Fame. Joining Nobuo Matsu. Yeah. It's a weird combination of people, yeah. isn't it? That's the that's the beauty of it, Karen. We're not biased, so we don't pick people that that are mainstream. We're giving attention to people who 
It Deserve means it. something to us. Exactly. It's the idea. Congratulations to our first weekend heroes. I am certain that our Hall of Fame will grow in the coming weeks and months as it will become a regular feature in our milestone episodes. Let us know what you think of our picks or even suggest uh, suggest future Hall of Famers on Twitter at TWSKK. Or if you prefer, you can drop us a message on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. We'll be right back to wrap up the show with details on next week's episode or even uh, this week's also. Yes, episode. it's this week's and next week's. Yeah. It's a double whammy. We're giving it, we're giving it details on lots of future weekend show goodness. So Mostly because we're recording on Tuesday. Please stay with us. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash TWSKK or find us on iTunes. Okay, heroes, that's our show for another week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can usually find a new episode every Saturday at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. And now it's the home of our brand new show, Podcast Today, starring, starring our very own Garen friends. It really is a tremendous little podcast, so do take the time to check it out. It's the greatest podcast in the history of man. After the weekend show. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Make sure to bookmark the link or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network, which is a real thing, and I am the president of it. It has a logo. Oh, you're president? What am I? Uh, like doorman? CEO. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I'll take CEO. <laughs> Presidents are usually a figurehead. I make the decisions. Speaking of which, if you love the show and you want to make us rich and famous, you can review us on iTunes. If you do, it's cassette players for everyone. They may or may not exist. You can get them on eBay. We might not be able to get the volume, though, of all the brilliant reviews we're going to get. So sorry in advance if, if, you're, if you're disappointed. It's first come, first serve on the cassette players. Ken will post a, a nude photo of himself on our Twitter for every review we get. I'm that not- also may or may not happen. <laughs> Yeah, because nobody wants to see that. If you're feeling nostalgic, uh, you can relive snippets of our best bits on YouTube. Just search TWSKK. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. I feel like we don't mention that enough, so I'm going to mention that again. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Are you just like, I can get the Twitter plugs right now. Yeah. Garrett, where can they find us on Twitter? At TWSKK. It's a throwback to our past episodes where Ken couldn't get the freaking Twitter plugs right. It was like, for a phrase, Brooke. <laughs> yeah, so I basically throw it to Garrett so I don't mess up. It's it's a reflection of our growth as a podcast. Exactly. In our 40th in, episode. In the last 40 episodes, exactly. We're a little late this week, so on Saturday we'll be reflecting on a most memorable Premier League season in a Wii End edition. Leicester freaking City. Also, next week, however, we mark our one-year anniversary by reliving tips of our favourite weekend show moments. We'll also rank our top five Who News Best stories and much, much more. This one is literally been a year in the making, so please do join us and help us celebrate. We'll also cry, Ken, because I'll just mention one more and you'll break into tears. Don't you say it. Tama. (laughs) (laughs) We better get out here before we break down. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, Velcro. Velcro, stick with it. Well, hey, as I think you, they use that as a slogan. Well, if they do, if they do, I'm suing them. <laughs> as you may know by now, our theme music is by the very talented Mr. John. And until Saturday, say goodbye, girl. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye.